I'm sorry. Uh, here we are. See how good this sounds. Party people. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to episode 97 of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Commodore Bro 5, and my fellow host is known for his bloodthirsty blade, <laughs> which in reality is just his favorite spork, Big Tuck. <laughs> I thought you were going to take that in a wildly different direction. Uh, hello, cats and kittens. You might be noticing a slight increase in sound quality. I finally, due to our uh, CMD Tower slush fund, have gotten a new microphone. So a few things just get out of the way here. Uh, first off, a also a uh, mythic and also <gasps> coming for you, Jimmy. And also here we go. And also blasted. And I think I had one more. Oh yeah. Hashtag suck it. And hashtag coward, we are talking about slimy, sweaty, and greasy carts. So if you guys couldn't tell, Big Tuck <laughs> just had an aneurysm. He might have just had a seizure. Uh, <laughs> and I am calling for medical need, attention as I speak. I need Stout to come uh, and put my wallet in between my teeth so I don't bite my tongue off. <laughs> so Big Tuck, uh, how does it feel to actually have A, first, legitimate setup, and B, your microphone not like jerry-rigged with toilet paper and duct tape. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I'm a big fan of athletic tape. Uh, I probably go through about six rolls a year. So uh, I'm glad that I have a little bit more for my other projects here. And uh, it's great, to be honest with you. I got the little amp here. I feel like I feel like I'm a real... I mean, I still don't know anything, and I'm still just a lunatic behind a microphone, right? Which is the most dangerous form of lunatic. Um, but, you know, I, it feels good. It also feels good to be drinking this Sale Hayton uh imperial ipa from uh devil's logic brewing right down here in north carolina so happy fry yay so i'm doing great mr combo how are you sir i'm good i'm good uh by the time this episode will came out it will have already happened but in the past i'm getting very excited because tomorrow is our three-year anniversary Woo! with me and my fiance and so uh you guys are not familiar with kansas city eateries uh you should definitely <laughs> uh google 801 chop house it's probably one of the best steak places, in my opinion, in town. Uh, but, you know, we went there on our very, very first date. And now it's just become a tradition. Every uh, anniversary, we go there for dinner. So uh, very excited. Uh, I told her if she expects any type of intimacy, whether it's holding hands, hugging, maybe a peck on the lips, she better do it in the morning. Yeah. Because <laughs> by the evening, uh, let's just say Mr. Combo is going to need... <gasps> His stretchy pants. He's gonna have. He's gonna have the meat sweats. Well, uh, oh, it's awful. I was actually gonna say I had a little bit more. I had a little bit of a romantic uh, week as well. I had three dates cancel on me, which was exciting after my rampage of previous weeks. But the one today was definitely a bullet dodge because she was like, "Get this." When I was in when I was in Maine on vacation, and that jackass Lowry came back on the show. Uh, you better keep you better keep it in check too, Mister Mister Beard Man. Uh, she called me and I don't, I, my phone's on like, do not disturb like all the time. Right. So if someone yeah. calls me, I don't like a lot of times I don't even get the notification. And she was like, Oh, sorry. I just called you. I was like, Oh, all right. Like why? She's like, well, I wanted to hear your, <laughs> I wanted to hear your voicemail to see what your voice sounded like. I was like, uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, did you also follow that up with like, oh, well, now that you've heard it, do you need a piece of my hair and a yeah, vial exactly. of my blood can I, can I for your like trench? Can I interest you in a vial of spit, perhaps? Uh, yeah. And then, she, dude, so she was like, can we just talk? I like to talk before I go out on a date. And um, this, uh, 
And so I talked to her yesterday and I swear to God, I was sitting there literally eating chicken and broccoli for no shorter than 20 minutes and literally said like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. All right. I was like, this is a nightmare. Um, But because she told me this other girl that I'm seeing, because she told me it was okay to say in the podcast, she said something that was really funny uh, when we were, you know, having, you know, smooch, having a smooch here and there. She's like, if you you said this, I'm dead serious. If you give me a hickey right now, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) So again, I'm Uh, I'm back on my, I'm back on my dating bullshit. It's great. Uh, so two points of order. Uh, one point because of your rampage, and we all know all know North Carolina is like the size of Rhode Island. It's a tiny, yes, tiny correct. state. T- 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 you know, uh, they you, the word has probably gotten out about this scoundrel known as Big Tuck. Yeah, this, so now the ladies are on notice. The kissing uh, bandit he, is back. Uh, Lowry no longer has a beard. What? It looks so weird. Like tr- like it off. freaked me like out. Shaved like, like like his beard is like mine right now. Oof. Just less patchy. Speaking of Lowry, how is your gout situation going? Uh, it's going good. I got two medications. I got one that'll be a long-term, and I got another one that's supposed to help mitigate the side effects of the long-term one oh. until I get used to it. Um, is it like a yeah, steroid like or the something? Or? One. I don't know exactly what it is, uh, but the long-term one, one of its side effects is it could cause acute gout flare-ups, like very tiny ones. So this other med that I'm taking is supposed to eliminate any type of gout flare-up stuff or help reduce it, uh, which begs to differ. Why wouldn't I just take that one instead of the yeah, other so one? You're but ta- hey, so you're taking are. a medicine to combat gout that will give you gout, and then you're taking another medicine yep. that combats that medicine giving you gout while also well, not... Well, it's, pre- like, it, it, it's just like if you ever look at like a constipation med that says like one of the side effects, it's constipation. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so really, I think what they're saying is like other side effects are this may actually do nothing and it's a placebo effect. Right. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. we just want to let you know if you came into this constipated, you may leave it constipated. I, I had but t- <laughs> anyways, <laughs> it's like first in. It's like the stack, right? Like first in, last out with the constipation. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, guys, if you want to know more ways to support the CMD Tower team, uh, my goutness, uh, Tuck's rampaging through North Carolina and or contributing more to the slush fund so we can constantly improve our equipment, uh, head over to our sponsor, level1gameshop.com. When you place an order in the order notes, just type out CMD Tower so that you're part of the collective. They do sell uh, a bunch of sealed product, singles, board games. They're great people. They're also going to be finally doing our takeovers. Hopefully we'll be starting that in July, if Sweet. not August, so it will be coming. But if you would actually like to help us out directly financially, which is where that slush fund comes from, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. Well, I believe we got two new patrons. Whoa! Whoa! And Tuck, okay, first guy, big shout out, Andrew Schomburg. Good to have you a part of the collective. <laughs> sure. The better one, though. Oh, the better name. Frugal Brutal. <laughs> I don't know if that's your real name. Uh, I hope that is your uh, U.S. Christian uh, mini gods, uh, mother of the dead given name. Because Frugal Brutal, first name Frugal, last name Brutal, brutal. is fantastic. <laughs> that, is, that is fantastic. That's incredible. But we have four tier guys, uh, and obviously on all of them, we give you a shout out on Bruise and Builds when you become a part of the collective. But just for a buck a month, you could join our Discord, get entered into deck therapy, among some other stuff. The most exciting thing that we've started is our $5 and higher tier, 
every three months or whenever they get it to us. Oh, really? uh, we're going to be giving out random RK post exclusive patron tokens. So the money that you guys contribute to this allowed us to join that Patreon. And now we're going to be supporting you guys mm. with all of that free swag that he sends out. Cool. Which is pretty cool. I talked about how the zombie token that we've received was Jack Skellington. Right. The shark token is some Pokemon. Uh, he just posted a picture of his bird token. He's doing uh, Pidget from Pokemon mm. as well. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, uh, join. And of course, every tier gets you additional entries into the monthly giveaway. If you're a part of our community currently and would like to figure out how to get more stuff, just refer people. We have a referral program. Uh, and when they join, have them message us on Patreon, whoever referred them, and we'll reach out to you and we'll send you some free stuff. You know, depending on the tier, it could be as simple as us signing whatever card you may want one of us or all of us to sign. Preferably gold uh, All the way up to sending you free sleeves, uh, playmat, tokens, just really kind of whatever you guys want. Now, if you can't join our patron, but you would like to pick up some of our swag, or you're already a patron and you just need more, head over to our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. Uh, we do sell everything on there. Running bit, need everything out of my basement, yes. end bit. I think that's that's like course, right on the cusp of a redacted bit. That's, that's it's very it's, close. It's <laughs> but here we are. Uh, every episode, we want to give a big shout out to redacted bit. Thank you for redacted bit. Yep. Uh, and hey, Stay tuned till the end so you can get details on how you could win that brand new giveaway from level one. And of course, we have to do a big shout out. Our audio producer, Squee McGee at Dear Squee on Twitter. Dear Squee at cmdtower.com is preferred uh, method of communication, which doesn't make <laughs> sense to us. But he does do all of our audio editing, does have a full studio. So if you ever want to jam out with your band, maybe record an LP, you should definitely hit up Squee. Our video editor is at underscore Tcoats on Twitter. Uh, Tyler does all the YouTube editing for us and other content creator channels. Uh, this is something that is one of his aspirations, very much like how Squeeze is audio editing uh, for a full-time gig. So hit him up if you have projects and you need help. Tyler would be happy to lend his skills. So Bruce and Bills is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32, we have moved on to the endless themes that EDH can bring us and each month will be a new theme. We currently have these decks are constructed similar to how beer is brewed. So we broke it down into four different categories. The first one's ramp and setting your board state. We call that grain. And the grains are the foundation of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually about a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of the beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp in your bigger threats. And just like a grain profile, they're usually a mix of staples and specialty cards. The next is how does your board interact with all of your opponents? We call that hops. And hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors that go in a variety of strands. Helps to distinguish subcategories like this uh, New England Imperial IPA. Our hop choices help clear and interact with the board so your deck can do what it wants. And then the next is how does your deck actually close out the game, accomplish its goals, or flat out win? We call that yeast. And yeast are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out the alcohol and CO2. It adds the alcohol content and the carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. Without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then we have my favorite section. Uh, yeah, that's debatable. Uh, we call this shenanigans. This would be pet cards, alter the broods, just fun synergies that are in the deck that are just kind of alter the brood. We call that spice. Yeah, and not every beer has them. Like every deck doesn't need uh, your alters of the broods, but spices and other additives help separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a stout into a jalapeno stout or the addition of hops that turn IPA into a double IPA. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, 
But if it does, is where we generally talk about it. And then, of course, got to wrap up the episode somehow. We have a bottle capping. There's going to be big Texanized cuts and ads to the deck that are going to be under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no-budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana-only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing. New month, new theme, woo, new disc. Uh, basically, Tuck and I were digging at the bottom <laughs> of the barrel, and we somehow had a light bulb kick on. Almost every single Magic player has bought a Commander Precon at some point in their career. Right. Whether you are a uh, constructed player, and maybe you did it because it was cheaper to get the single you needed out of the deck for your 60 card, uh, maybe you're brand new to the format, you're doing it as a gift, but everyone's bought a pre-con at some point. So we thought, why don't we do a pre-con month and talk about the upgrades that we have personally done to our pre-cons? Because no one just plays a pre-con out of the box forever, regardless right. of what Squee says on news. Uh, everyone usually does some upgrades. So starting off against, of course, Globo Gym is Average <laughs> Brina's Gym. Uh, this is the new Orzov commander from the Strixhaven commander. And I will let you know, set. I got to stop you right there. The preferred nomenclature is silver quill now. Thank you very much. What did I say? Orzov. That's done. That's in the past, baby. That Leave it on Ravnica. We're on Strixhaven. We're talking silver quill. Yeah, I'm still old school, so we're going to call it Orzov. Uh, just like I believe Mana Burn still exists. So <laughs> we're talking about Brina the Demigog. So Big Tuck... Why don't you read about Brina, and then I'll kind of talk about why I chose to actually upgrade this deck. Yes, Brina the Demigorg, Gog. I always think it's Demigorgon because that's a D&D &D thing, which we'll be getting into in, what, two weeks? Uh, yeah, probably. It's a 1-3 flyer, legendary creature, bird, warlock. That's, of course, a mythic. About five bucks, but who knows anymore with these ones. Costs a colorless white and a black. It has flying, and then... This is a thing that always trips people up because this is a very popular deck to play uh, because it's very good. Whenever a player attacks one of your opponents, if that opponent has more life than another of your opponents, that attacking player draws a card and you put two 1-1 one -one counters on a creature you control. So just FYI, those out there, you can trigger this up to two times Three. a turn. Three. Because if the, if you attack, okay, no, no you're it's right. Two, it would right? be it'd be two. Because one of yeah. your opponents has to correct me, and this is important because this is a big argument that people get into with this card, <laughs> and I've had to do this many times. Where there can there is always going to be one opponent who has the highest life total or who is tied with the highest life total. Correct. So yes, you have to attack someone that you have to attack either that less. one. You have to attack with less, right? Yeah, you cannot attack tied. Right, so whenever a player, if that opponent has more life than another one of your opponents. So, okay, sorry, it's the other way around. One person always has to have the lowest health or tied for the lowest yes. health. So in a three in a normal pod, you could potentially attack two opponents that have more life than the one. Yes. Okay. That is correct. It's so, it's so, so badly worded. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So usually for a 40 life and a dash or two... I'll play the pre-con straight out of the box. No alterations. I'm just trying to get a feel for them. Right. You know? uh, watching deck reviews can only do so much. You need to be able to actually play the deck. And I think this was the first one that I chose to play. And then uh, uh, Mr. Magoo chose to play the is it one. That's right. And the 
And the thing I noticed when playing this Orzov deck, it's supposed to be this Orzov politics deck, which it kind of is, <laughs> but not so much. It's actually, it seems more like, weirdly enough, Orzov Voltron. Yeah. Because every game I have seen Brina in, whether I'm piloting it or someone else's, she regularly gets to above 10 power. Right. Oh, yeah, easily. It's, it's still, no one does anything about it. They just continue on yeah. the path. It's so weird. And like, I, so this is, I would say from what I can tell, it's like this and Lorehold by far and away are the two biggest, which is the Boros deck. If you want to be, you know, an old fart about it. Um, they're by far and away the most popular ones, right? Which is ironic because we may or, mm -hmm. may, not, may or may not be talking about a build on that in this very podcast. Um, and yeah, I think every time I've seen this played, it becomes like, the politics piece is there, but I think it's more used as like removal, right? Like it's it's like the politics help dictate the board so that you can get this going. And it's very rare that this gets removed, right? Like I've seen Brina get killed yep. like once or twice, which doesn't make any sense because it's not helpful for anybody, right? I think people yeah. just get duped into thinking that it's going to be doing them a lot of work. In reality, it just becomes a force in and of itself, right? Um, which doesn't, which is weird I mean, because it, it doesn't feel like the deck's built like that, right? Yeah, like the deck's definitely out of the box. The precon is built to be this Orzov politics, like, oh, here's benefits for going and attacking other people, and like, hey, don't attack me. Mm -hmm. But then the way the deck actually plays and it, it is very aggressive. Yes. But there's like enough Drogas sprinkled on in a line on the table that people are like, <laughs> well, I could hit you, but I'd like to draw a card or draw two cards. Mm -hmm. So I'll attack this other stuff there, and then maybe I'll hit you for something. Um, but, you know, I understand I don't get a benefit out of it. And let me tell you, man, it was pretty crazy. I was in a game where Sir Nathan was playing Brina, and I made a copy of Brina. So then we had two oh, Brinas God. on the table, and it was just mayhem. Yeah. Uh, it was absolutely crazy. The, so The only other uh, thing I'll say about the deck, too, is I like it because there's a lot of cards in here that, like, incentivize people for attacking you as well, right? And you kind of want that as well. Which is an interesting, not like you don't want it, right? You never want to be attacked, but there are cards where this is, it kind of gets built to being like, if you attack me, I get a lot of benefit out of it. So kind of it, for me, when I've seen this, it's like, hey, I'm going to come at you with this 2-2 two, two, and you're like, okay, great. I'll take the damage and take the benefits that come with it. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't look at it that way where mm -hmm. there's like any benefit. I'll be interested if you talk about the benefits for attacking me because I only know of like one and that only works if they attack you with everything uh, because then the thing just becomes huge. Oh, yes. Um, but, you know, overall, it's been actually one of my favorite decks to play that's brand new. Uh, it doesn't seem way overpowered. It just seems like a good multiplayer deck. Yes. That's really the best way I can describe yep. it. So from a deck construction perspective, we're at a 386 CMC. A little Ooh, high, yeah, a little but high. it is Orzov. Yeah. It is Orzov. Uh, CMC breakdown, though, or uh, mana colors. I'm almost perfect. Yeah, nailed very it. Very close. Did you do that? Now, did you, and I see here you have like, your, did you adjust that after you put it in here or did you just like eyeball no. it? Eyeballed it. Nice. Yeah. And then from a cost perspective, so we did, uh, Tuck looked this up, the pre-con of Brina, you can still get for 40 something dollars, but we're talking about what the deck is worth. So the deck is worth a shade under 70 bucks, according to MTG Goldfish. Uh, on tapped out the upgrades that I've done on TCG player are somewhere between 170 and 280 somewhere in yep. there and that's because I have like 
specialty cards of other stuff that you could just get a normal copy of. Um, so, you know, I would say if you if you we went off that 170 number, it's about a hundred dollar upgrade, which mm. seems about right for yeah. the power level that I put put into it. Agreed. And there's like there's a handful of cards that you like you said where if you even even if you take out the versions that you have and go with like a cheaper version, it probably bumps it down to like close like the closer to the 200 mark. Um, and I think that you can. This is definitely a deck that you can cut six cards out of tops, right? Some things that are meant for other commanders and sub them in, and it's still very powerful for a very, very limited budget. Yeah, totally agree with that. Well, let's actually get into the deck and start the brewing process. Uh, the first card I want to talk about is a CEDH commander, but it does great in this deck because oh. I'm allowed to pay life to draw some cards. And it, once again, it I think the, the balance with this deck is... Encourage everyone to attack each other, but also come off as very less threatening, which you got to you gotta keep reducing your life total as everyone else's. So it seems like, oh, well, Brina isn't really doing a lot. I mean, yeah, she she's getting bigger, but the life total is about the same. So Timna the Weaver really helps me yes. accomplish this. And I get it. It's very expensive because of as of competitive, <laughs> but I think it's great for this thing. So colorless Orzov, that'll be a white and a black legendary creature, human cleric. It's a two two. Uh, and it's a rare. It has lifelink, and it states, at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, you may pay X life, where X is the number of opponents that were dealt combat damage this turn. If you do, draw X cards. So I look at this on a couple different areas. One, it's 3 CMC, so it's, yep. it's, a, it's a nice curve. You can curve it out. Second, I'm always swinging. Yeah. Uh, does not matter. If you're not swinging while playing this deck, something has gone dramatically wrong or <laughs> right. your board or your opponents have just gone off way too hard. So I'm always swinging at everyone. And of course, I'm not trying to be blocked. So I'm trying to do it in ways that can actually get the damage through. And then if I'm a, if I can at least worst case scenario, at least pay two life every a combat rotation that nicks me down on enough. But with Brina. I'm actually, at a bare minimum, going to be drawing three cards. I get it off at least one of the opponents that has a higher life than someone else. I get the two off of Tenda. I'm getting the two plus one plus one counters. It's like this cool little combat right, synergy right, right. going on with my commander. So Tenda the Weaver, I think, is an auto-include. I get it why they didn't put it in the pre-con. Yeah. It's crazy expensive. But, it's, yeah. but it, like, it, it has the argument that they could have put it in the pre-con as like a sneaky reprint right because this is this you can mm -hmm. run if in some alternate world you could swap out the commander for her yeah if this is like the pre-con right and i think the i think you hit everything pretty much on the head the only thing i'll say is that we've talked a lot on this cast and if anyone's looking for them i still have six left to trade but for me this this is a card that does a great job of showing how the game has changed and why frexian arena is not good because this is just a in this deck by far and away and i would argue in most orzov decks that are in the red zone in any way, shape, or form. It's just a better, higher ceiling Frixian Arena, right? Like you can draw a card immediately. You can draw more than one card turn, more likely. So great card draw. The life gain, the life loss is completely incidental. Just really, really strong inclusion. All right. Well, Tuck, what is your first grain card? So this is one of the cards I've always liked, and it used to be kind of expensive, and it got reprinted out of it. Uh, it's pretty much what I would say is a better gilded lotus. Uh, especially in this deck, and it really forces the combat. And this is one of the weird ones where you kind of incentivize your opponents in attacking you. Uh, Coveted Jewel. I gotcha. That's, that's kind of why, right. right? So six it's color. Right. It's great. It's so much fun. 
Uh, six colorless for uh, an artifact. It's a rare for about 36 cents. When it enters the battlefield, draw three cards. Tap at three mana of any one color. Whenever one or more a creature and opponent's control attack you and aren't blocked, that player draws three cards and gains control of Coveted Jewel and untap it. So for me, like I said, it pays for half its cost out of the gates, right? So it also draws you cards, which in this deck you probably won't need that much help with. But for me, this card not only is a green card, but it's also a card that like kind of helps the game move along, right? We've talked a lot about how games have to end at some point, right? And this deck certainly is one that's going to facilitate attacking and that sort of thing. But I like this addition in here as a grain, as kind of like a high-end, top-of-the-curve mana rock because you you get your you get to redraw three cards, so you might find your game winner right there, right? Or whatever piece of removal you're looking for. But if someone does attack you, they get to draw their three cards, accelerate their board quite a bit, and then move on from there. So I think this plays really nicely into the theme of deck of the deck of wanting people to attack. And even then, if as soon as they get away from you, if they're like, hey, I'm going to come in with this beast. Are you cool with taking three? I just need that jewel. Now someone's incentivized to attack them even more with Brina and the other things that you have out on the board as well. Yeah, I left it in the deck because it does speak true to the politics of it. Where I'm not the big, and I'm not cutting it, so it's staying in. I'm kind of surprised but by I'm that, just, to be honest. I thought, I thought for, I, I was pretty sure the way you were looking, I was like, a, I was surprised it kept in the deck, and B, I was like, this is probably on the block. I mean, I'd, I'd rather put in a even a dark steel ingot over this, <laughs> a manolith, right. if you will. Uh, a better. Oh, I could put the better manolith in here. There we go. I already know what I'm swapping. Ugh. Uh, so for me, I think in this deck in particular, I agree. Once it gets off of me, then the opponents are kind of shifting it around and mm -hmm. everyone's smacking each other in the face. And if I have to get hit once for that, that's fine. But because I have to live in the red zone so much, I get worried with this card. Oh, I someone hit me. It's been shuffled around. Well, shit. <laughs> the person I have to yeah, hit has right. it. And now I'm going to get it. And like, sure, I'll draw four cards because I get three off of that and then one off of Brina. But now I'm going to get hit again. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to get hit yeah, again. It just cycles it around to your face again. So that's the thing I don't like. If it was a one-time thing, like if we're talking my Atraxa deck, my Planeswalkers, sure, if I get hit once because someone needs the Coveted Jewel, I'll never have to worry about getting it back. Mm -hmm. So it'll just kind of cycle among those players. But since Brina does want to attack, and it's usually attack the vulnerable player, yeah. which the vulnerable players are probably the ones that want to try to get yeah, 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 for exactly. the mana and the card draw. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily want to get it back at the end of that exchange. I got you. I got you. But no, I'm glad All you right. left it in. Ne Next one. It's one of my Japanese mystical archive cards. Should pretty much make it simple on, on what the card is. It uh, it's a, a card that I didn't know existed, to be frank. Uh, and it does typical mono-white ramp. So we are talking about Gift of Estates. Uh, I would read this to you in Japanese, but I cannot. <laughs> so I will click on the English version and read that. Colorless white sorcery. Uh, it's a rare, at least from a mystical archive perspective. If an opponent controls more lands than you, search your library for up to three planes cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. So I like this significantly better than land tax in this deck because of the fact that I don't just run every all of everything basic. You know, in a monocolored deck, that's fine. This I do have other cards 
that potentially I could grab, like a godless shrine. Um, and I believe that's probably the only card left. <laughs> it's godless shrine. But as I continue to uh, upgrade the deck, you know, it'll be able to go grab scrub land. It'll go grab the scry land. It'll go grab yeah. the check land. You know, I'll eventually get that stuff put in there. And the flexibility with this just being planes cards, and someone just has to have one more land. It's not even like uh, an opponent has to have three more lands or two <laughs> more. Or, you know, if, if someone has more, you go get the difference. So maybe I'm only getting one. The fact that I just get three and I can get duels is very, very good. And if you don't have these, the Mystical Archive versions you get for 35 cents yeah. uh, from Card Kingdom. Go pick them up because I guarantee you have white decks that probably need this. I think it's I it's not as like down the down like it's not like a fastball down the middle like the Phyrexian Arena versus you know Ancient Cravings or whatever argument, but it's similar, right? If you draw this late game, you'll probably there will be someone who's outramped you, right? You'll yep. be able to get your three lands as opposed to if you draw a land tax late game, you're kind of like awesome, whatever. Yeah, like great, a dead <laughs> card that I'll just discard to some bullshit effect, right? Um, so yeah, it's really strong. Refill in your hand. Um, always go get the three. I think, is it three or is it up to three? I think it's up to three. Okay, so uh, for those playing the home game, this is written as get three lands. Get three planes. It doesn't matter if you have to discard them. Uh, yes, and for two mana, it's on curve. It's And there's so many ways that you can circumvent this with this low of a mana cost, right? I'm going to hold out to play my land until after I tutor, even though I already have one in hand, right? Just, just really strong, especially for the 72 cents or whatever it is that costs. Yeah, and I think to add to your point, Tuck, with the land tax argument late game, um, land tax with the basic land versus this just being planes mm -hmm. is a big difference there because literally in the game that we talked about on uh, MTG Action 4 News with me, the Godfather, and Duff, the Godfather had that enchantment out to where whenever a, a face-down creature enters the battlefield, you get to go basically rampant growth to your mm -hmm. hand um, with a basic, and eventually he ran out. He had oh, no more basics. Nice. And so that's what's the nice thing about this is if you have your mana base done appropriately, like who cares if it's late game and you've run out all your basics, go grab your duels that you haven't grabbed yet. And to your point, Tuck, you can even go grab the cycling one, even if you don't need it. Right. It's in your hand. Now you cycle it and you just drew a card. Exactly. So uh, lo lots, lots of flexibility and very, what I would say, underplayed. Yeah, agreed. Tuck, what is your next grain? So this is another weird one that kind of incentivizes people to attack you. Uh, and it's quite cunning in the way that you do it. This is one of my favorite cards that got printed in the new set. I'm trying to talk about as many new cards as possible, but Cunning Rhetoric has a very high ceiling, mediocre-ish floor, which I'll get to, right? So two colorless <laughs> and, a, yeah. and a black. Oh, also, I've talked about the floor to ceiling, that analogy, like 10 times in the last two weeks. So uh, two colorless and a black for an enchantment. It's about $3. I'm guessing that'll probably go down. Um, whenever an opponent attacks you and or one or more planeswalkers you control, also oddly worded, exile the top card of that player's library. You may play that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it's any color to cast it. So similar in scope to Gaunti, it doesn't matter if they remove this card, you still get to cast that for the rest of the game. Um, and for me, this one is kind of like, I think it's kind of a sleeper. I think it reads a lot better than it actually is because I guarantee nine times out of 10, it's going to be a land and you already played your land card or you don't need it or something like that. But on the off chance that you do get a nut draw um, or just something that even though you don't want it might shut their deck down, right? Like a card that they only have one copy of and don't have a backup, something like that. For me, it's worth it because you are going to get attacked in this. So you might as well get something out of it 
ever, uh, whenever any opponent attacks you. Well, uh, I got a couple points here. Um, for, 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 first off, uh, how does this incentivize people to attack you? It decentivizes people to attack you. But I'm saying you might want them to. I guess what I was trying to get at with that was like, you want people to attack you when you have this so that you start stealing stuff from off them, right? Well, of course. I mean, yeah. I want people to. I want people to draw cards when I have smothering tithe out. Exactly. Like I'm just saying, <laughs> it's, it's you want them to attack you. Uh, and you know the other part. I think they had to word it that funky because they needed to make sure that it wasn't worded in a way that the and or because if it was or. I think there might be some weird rules yeah. language. Like, if you attack a planeswalker and a creature at the same player, mm -hmm. like, do you get the trigger because it's right, or? Oh, sure, um, sure, sure, yeah. And, and then I think they added in the planeswalker piece just because they want planeswalkers to be included. Mm -hmm. And so this is their way of probably not having to deal with redacted or revised rules yeah, text right. and 10 years down the line. If it said, and to your point, if it says it attacked one of your planeswalkers, then they're like, okay, I'm going to attack three, and then you don't get the trigger. Right? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I, I like the card. Um, I ba The only reason I left it in the deck is because it is only three mana. Mm -hmm. And eventually I will be attacked. And so it's like, even if I only get one trigger off of it, you know me, I'm very big on removing my opponent's libraries. Uh, whether it's two exile, two graveyard, two my, my board, whatever it is. Because the less resources they have the less access they have to beat me, and right. that usually gives me more resources. So, great card. Uh, I actually don't see it dropping. It may drop a little bit over the next 30 days, but I see this eventually being like a $10 card. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Hopefully hopefully not, but who knows. All right. Well, my last grain card is a partner. Oh. Uh, so, th I thought this card would be cool because there is like this weird token theme kind mm -hmm. of in the deck and i'm not a fan of just having a bunch of one ones or two twos like some people are i actually like to do something with them so crab the unredeemed is really really strong yeah, and i know that because we've seen frenemy dan play it and oh. it's a nightmare uh glad you moved uh hashtag <laughs> coward couldn't face me for a final match and so, Crab the Unredeemed, four colorless black, legendary creature, Demon. Demon. It's from Battle Bond. It's a rare, and it's a 3-3. But it also has partner with Regna, the Redeemer. So when Crab enters the battlefield, uh, you get to basically go search your library for Regna and reveal it, put it into your hand, and shuffle. So uh, one thing just to put out there, you could run these partners where you don't have the other color available in the deck. And then when you play the partner, you just get a free shuffle. So just mm. a little... Little course, news little, out there. Little hack, little hack for you. Yeah, little hacker. And so its activated ability is a single black. Sacrifice X creatures. Target player draws X cards and gains X life. Put X plus one plus one counters on Crab the Unredeemed. So this will allow me, because I have multiple cards in here where we may or may not talk about them, where, hey, do this, make that many one mm -hmm. ones or mm -hmm. two ones, or whenever this hat, this dies, you're going to make this. And... Yes, I need stuff to attack with, but I want bigger bodies. I want more evasion. I just don't want a bunch of two ones because it's not like I'm going to get individual creature triggers off Brina because if that was the case, super broken and really good. Uh, right, so right. at least in this semblance, I can sacrifice those fodder tokens, 
draw a bunch of cards, but then I also get to gain life and make Krav bigger. And the thing I'm most keen on is actually the gain life piece, because once people figure out the Brina rigmarole, they just realize, well, if we never attack each other, he never gets triggers. Right, right, right. And then he dies. So eventually that will happen when you when Brina gets big enough or you've done enough damage. So Krav at least gets me a little bit of life back. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I, I almost, it's, for me, I think there's a somewhat argument to be made that if you're running, especially most Orzob decks, you might as well just put in Krav and the other partner because they're usually, they play so well with most of the things. If you get outside yeah. of those colors, it's a little bit more of an argument. Um, but it's insane. And I've I've played this card before and it just does uh, bonkers. It gets humongous. It's kind of like your backup commander if you need it. Just just does everything that this deck wants and more. All right, Tuck. Well, what is your last grain? So this is a pretty basic one, but this is another funny one that I'm surprised still is you're in basic. here. You're basic. You're basic. Uh, secret Rendezvous. So new card out of the block. So colorless white, white for sorcery. You and target opponent each draw three cards, um, and then it has flavor text for the first time, as read by Gideon, who may or may not be talked about later, uh, which is generic Captain Kill guy. Strict Savings Five College encourages natural rivalries among the students. Uh, I need to get my glasses. <laughs> but some bonds <laughs> transcend all barriers. Where are the? Oh, they're in the other room. I took them off when I went to the gym. Uh, <clears throat> so I like this card a lot. Like three for three with a little drop. Like normally when you see this, it's like two, three for two and you lose some life, right? In most black decks. You know that's the only reason I left it in the deck. It's because it's three for three. It's, it's three for, I know. And you and you hate drawing cards. Or, sorry, let me rephrase that. You hate individual one-time use drawing cards. Especially when it doesn't pay back its equal return. Yes, right. So this again is like, I think this one speaks a lot more to the political theme of what this deck is supposed to be. But even then, you can find the person that needs a little bit of help, have a little bit of mercy, and maybe they won't attack you, right? They'll remember the time they draw three cards. Or you can also be like, hey, you probably have a bunch of answers in your deck if you're playing Golgari or, like, God help you, Simic. Uh, you're like, okay, you can probably get something in three cards to deal with this threat, right? So I like this a lot. I think it's a fun design. Obviously, white needs as much help as they get, and they kind of gave it an okay-ish one. But to me, this card is something that you can get a lot of favor from when you really don't have that much of a drawback. Yeah, and I, the thing I like about this is because in multiplayer, you can choose the opponent that is literally the least threatening. Yeah. Um, and you come off as a hero to them. Exactly. Where, you know, obviously this in a 1v1 scenario, late game, that's where this card does not work. Mm -hmm. But way I've seen Brina work is usually when it gets to 1v1, it's because they are dying next rotation or I'm dying next rotation. Yep. It's not something that where there's three, four, five, six turns still to go. Right. So I think Secret Rendezvous is a good card. Uh, this is one that I may consider putting in most of my white decks, to be frank. Yeah. Uh, because of the, the three for three, and really the only drawback is you maybe make a friend exactly. with someone. And the la so. and last thing I'll say about last thing I'll say about this one is this is one of those decks that we've talked about where you want your opponents to be as live, alive as long as possible, right? So you can get the so you can get yeah. the triggers every turn. This is something that buys you a lot of value into that. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up the green section. Now we're going to head over to the hop profile. And Big Tuck, what's your first hoppy card? Uh, this is one that I previewed on our Strixhaven review, if I remember correctly. And I think this is a new Orzov staple. I'm going to go as far as to say it. 
Great removal spell at a low, low cost. Coming in at two. Are we doing this? Is this it? Are we finally doing it? All right, ready? Three, two, one. Fracture! Fracture! I want to be fractured. Fracture me, baby. Colorless in a black. It's an instant. Destroy target artifact, enchantment, or planeswalker. And there is flavor text. Being red. Ah, uh, unfortunately, though, Big Tuck just got penalized. He said a colorless black. It's actually white and black. Damn it. <laughs> uh, well, okay, that's fine. I'll take the flavor text, too. Uh, it's this very long and complex one is being read by Hilger Orzov enthusiast, who might as well be Hordor uh, Orzov enthusiast. Oh, you bastard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hordor, 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 Hordor. Exisnar. It just sounds like you're saying a whore door. Oh, that's right. I got to say, ho it's supposed to be Hodor. Hodor. It's supposed to be Hodor. <laughs> Did you see that guy's going to be in a new movie? He's finally getting recast into something. Well, not a movie. I think it's a new series a on series? HBO, okay. but yes. Okay. Very excited. He's, he, they're finally getting uh, but, away from the ones and twos because he's a known DJ. Uh, uh, but no, I completely agree, Tuck. This is a Orzov staple yes. moving forward. There's zero reason to not run this for the colors you're already running. Destroy artifact, enchantment, or planeswalker. And hell, I beg to argue, this might be a staple in Orzov plus a third color. Three color decks? Yeah. Why wouldn't I do that? It's really, I, I think that's a really good point. And especially people are going to be like, well, what about creatures? It's like, dude, you're playing white and black. You got ways to yeah. deal with creatures, right? Like, yeah. Come on now. Um, so yeah, I, it's really strong. It's an uncommon, so that's good. It's going to be something that's going to be like a dollar card, right? Easy pickups. You will find decks to play this, and you will be seeing this a lot. Completely agree. All right. Well, my second card, I had to talk about a Planeswalker. Oh. Um, and <laughs> no, no, no. The, the way I kind of did my picks is I wanted to highlight each of the ways that this deck needs to kind of engage with the opponents. So we saw the first one is removal. You know, hey, you got something that's problemsome, let me get rid of it. Well, Ajani Steadfast gives me defense, which is right. necessary at certain points in the game. So three colorless white, legendary planeswalker Ajani. Uh, also, this is the secret layer edition. Also, I love how if you look at the art, it kind of basically looks like they ripped off the Avengers symbol, but they're getting away with it because it's Ajani. Right. Okay. We we see you, Watsy. We see you. Uh -huh. And so this guy comes in, enters the battlefield with four loyalty and has three activated abilities. First one, add a loyalty for plus one until end of turn up to one target creature gets plus one, plus one, gains first strike, vigilance, and lifelink. I'll quickly read through the next two, but that plus one's the only reason yeah. it's in the deck. So, minus two, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature I control, and then a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker. I guess if I get big enough, the, that could do something, but not really here for that. And then minus seven, you get an emblem with, if a source would deal damage to you or a planeswalker you control, prevent all but one of that damage. I don't even know if I would activate that, to be honest, if I got to seven. Um, because the way I look at this, guys, say Brina has no counters on her. I plus one, target her. She now has... First Strike, Vigilance, and Lifelink, and is a 2-4. And flying. She's going to attack and flying because she has that static. Yep. And then she's going to attack, get her two plus one plus one counters because I'm attacking someone with the lowest life total. So now I'm hitting them with a 4-6 that will be up as a blocker because it has Vigilance. If they try to block it, I'm going to kill whatever they're hitting at first, and I'm going to gain four life because of the Lifelink. Right. It, it it does so much on so many levels, and I like this better than some sort of equipment or sword or boots because planeswalkers 
weirdly enough, are more difficult to get rid of than artifacts. Yeah. Because if you have blockers, they cannot get rid of your planeswalker unless they have a fracture of their own. Yeah. Right. But if it's an artifact, there's a myriad of ways to get rid of artifacts. So I think Ajani is a slam dunk in a Brina deck only because the way that I have seen the deck play over and over and over again is Brina is constantly swinging every mm -hmm. GD turn. Yeah. And that's where I think Ajani on the surface, you're like, that doesn't make sense for Orzov politics, but once you play it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and again, like to your point, this is not, this deck has been more, has been metamorphed into something that's different than its pre-con pretty. I mean, there's still like some similarities, but like, I feel like you really went into the Voltron, as you said. However, you still have the token, you still have a decent token sub theme with your, you know, a few cards we might get into in a little bit. So the minus two could also be like, if your commander gets sure. blown out, over and over and over and over and over and over again, which it's going to. Now you have a yeah. way to make your, you know, one twos, two ones, whatever the case may be, and you're like even a scalable, even a more scalable threat over time, right? So it, it'd be easy for me to understand. Like you do, you do your Brina, then you plus two a Johnny twice, and now you can pump all your tokens three times effectively for free. Pretty good, yeah. right? Yeah, you know what, Tuck. And the more we talk about all the different things that this deck can do. Um, and what it's morphed into. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of my Aloro deck, how I had like this theme, and then I had a sub theme, and oh. then I had a sub sub theme, and then I had a sub 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 theme. So if you think about it, we, we got we got multiple themes here. We got Orzov politics, we got uh, Voltron, uh, we have Go Wide tokens, we have a plus one counter theme. Yeah, right. Like, good God, how now, many themes do we need? Now, now, to be fair, the nested themes in Aloro, the scale, it's, it starts at this, and then you go about 50 points down, and then another 50 points from there. But I've, So this one's got a little bit more <laughs> of a cohesive sub-theme strategy. But yes, it, it definitely has reminders of that. All right. Well, what's your second hop card? This is one of the ones that came in the deck, and I think it's honestly one of the cards that I think is amazing, and I've seen it only cast once, and it was a blowout. Uh, it is going to be something that's a little inky, gonna get a little, gonna get a little wet, um, but Ink Shield, so so good. Uh, this card's going to be a lot of money, so get ready. $7 right now. Already, trust me. This is going to be a $20 one, I'm calling it. So three colorless wow. in Orzov or Silver Quill, which is a black and a white. Um, it's an instant. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to you this turn. For each one damage prevented this way, create a 2-1 white and black inkling creature token with flying. It's absurd. Um, and it's been read by your other Orzov commander, a.k.a. Selenia the Dark Angel. Oi, Silverquill's elite known. Oh boy, hold on. Sil Wait, Selenia sounds like a pirate? No, she sounds like a Scottish woman with the oi. Oh. Oi, <laughs> oi, me and my. I only have like two voices. Leave me alone. Oi, <laughs> me and my, me and me gals. Damn it, that does sound like a pirate. Uh, oi, <laughs> Silverquill's elite know how to have an offer. How to offer a scathing rebuttal. Without uttering a word, yeah, uh, you, you gotta channel channel your like inner Mel Gibson, like uh, freedom, <laughs> freedom. Silver Quill's elite no have to offer a scathing rebuttal without uttering a word. God, that's so that's really good. That's really where do you pull this? Where do you pull this out of? All you watch, uh, are, I don't know. All you watch are Marvel movies, so I know you're not getting accent work from there. <laughs> 
Hey, hey, Paul Rudd's a genius. <laughs> he is good. Uh, this card's, so, yeah, this tell me more about this because it reads amazing. Five CMC is a lot for a fog. Um, so, like, when are people doing these blowouts with it? Do, I seen it because, again, like you said, this deck gets off to such a bizarre quick start because your commander is so good that people just start ganging up on you, right? So the one, the biggest, the best one I've seen is it got down to two players, right? And one guy amassed a token army and swung in on this guy, right? Trample the whole nine yards. And because it wasn't each creature, the guy like overrun on a bunch of, uh, what was he playing? Human deck. I think he was playing like Orzov humans. So he had like an overrun effect that was dealing like, okay, good. You're at 35 life. Perfect. I'm going to do 40 just to make sure. Right. And this guy cast it because he was waiting because he knew this guy had this coming and he cast it yeah. and made like there was not enough room or dice that we had there to like articulate how many of these things he made. And the wow. fact that 2-1 fly, the, this is a bigger thing too, right? 2-1 already way better than a 1-1, one, one, right? Like you're, uh, I don't know. There's a bunch of things that do that, right? But the bigger yeah. kickback is they all have flying. That is so yeah. good, right? That one piece of evasion on this makes it so much better than a lot of other effects that do in similar scope to this. Wow. All right. I'm telling you, it was a uh, I mean, I so I left it in the deck because it is a new card. It seems extremely powerful. It's just, you know, five mana seems like a lot to leave up. Um, but I'm excited to see it because I think there's a lot of very cool things you could do with this. I don't necessarily have them in this deck. Um, but there's cards that deal with, like, when a white creature dies, when a black creature dies, when a white creature enters the battlefield, when a black creature dies, and, like, these different effects that trigger off of it. And I think this is something that you could potentially use to, like, not necessarily combo, but more synergize with other things because right. they do have both the colors. I mean, hell, it'd be great to get hit, you ink shield, you swing back for whatever, and then second main phase, pay a single black, sack 30 of them to crab. Yeah. Draw 30 cards, gain 30 life, and put 30 plus one plus one counters on them. That seems amazing. There's a lot of cool stuff yeah. I think you could do with it. It's just the five CMC is what I get stuck on. I hear on. you, yeah. So I think, and I think that's why people, to that point, I've heard people say that same thing. And I think they're thinking short, right? They're like, this is going to be the card that's going to save me early game. It's like, no, 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 no. This is the card that's going to, this doesn't save you as much as it does win the game for you. Is the way I look at it, right? Mm. All right, fair enough. Well, my last one is a very meat and potatoes uncommon, but I love the effect because its flashback cost is less oh. than normally you would have to pay to get this. So I'm a big fan of Unburial Rights, it's man. Very, yeah, it's, I'm, it's really good. I'm digging this thing. Uh, four colorless black sorcery. It's an uncommon for about 12 cents. It has flashback for three colorless and a white. So you can cast it from your graveyard for its flashback cost and then exile it. Uh, and it states, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah. And there is flavor text. Yes, uh, and it is your old pal, Harry Carey. Oh, crave the blessed sleep. <laughs> Do receive it. Uh, so the reason I really like this card is the five mana return a creature from the graveyard to the battlefield. That's standard. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. much what it costs to do that. But if there's a flashback cost, it's then usually sack three creatures, and mm -hmm. then you get to do it. Or uh, pay seven, seven total yeah. mana, <laughs> eight mana to do it. Uh, but the fact that it's like, hey, for five, it's normal cost. You get to do it. But then we're going to give you a price reduction only because we added in a second color. 
And we understand that now you can't run it in mono black decks. Right, yeah. You have to run it in something that has black and white. So uh, I think it's sneaky. I don't think this card will ever be expensive. No. But I think this is a card, because the colors are separated in CMC and in Flashback, don't call me crazy. I think you could run this in five, up to five color decks. Probably, yeah, if you care about creatures. Now, the only thing, the only thing that I was a little, because there's some cards in here that really talk a lot about, like, the creatures you have, and you have some really strong ones. I'm a little, there's a little concern to me that you're going to have a lot of reanimation spells, but maybe not a lot of great reanimation targets, right? But, again, if your commander costs a gazillion, then you can just bid yep. it to the graveyard and then pull it back with this, right? And that's all, so this is like, what, this is cheaper to do it the third time your commander's going to get killed, which mm -hmm. it's going to. So it's like, yep. it's another way to play around the commander tax. So it makes sense why it's in there as well. And I actually did pull off the um, early game, and I think I talked about this in For Life in a Dash a month or so ago, where turn, I think it was turn two, I needed to discard down to hand size and missed a land drop oh, or yeah. something. I was like, oh, shit, guys. I guess I'll throw Zatalpa in there. I'm never going <laughs> to cask it. And then it's like three turns later on, on turn four or five. It's like, oh, no, I'll cast it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, God, what, what do we do? Yeah, what are we going to do? So that's the way I, I've noticed in this deck, it, it's it's hot or cold. But, you know, sometimes Orzhov has issues getting lands. You're going to miss land drop. So it's like you could bend those bigger creatures. But then the flip side is you look at the deck, it draws a lot of cards. And you're going to have to discard down to hand size. Right. And knowing that you have three or four or five reanimation spells in the deck, I feel comfortable throwing the Zatulpa in the graveyard and and not being concerned about it because I know I'm eventually going to get something. And yeah, if yeah. I get graveyard hated, I get graveyard hated. You can't do anything about that in general. So yeah, I agree. All right, Tuck. It'll be it'll be a quick one. It's pretty meat and potatoes. Uh, slash the ranks, three colorless and white white for a sorcery. Destroy all creatures and planeswalkers except for commanders. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about here. This is a this is a deck, especially the way that you've built it and the way that you want to play it really cares about the commander, right? Like it yep. really, so what else did you expect? It's a me deck. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's all top down. Um, and I, so that's fine. Right. And the argument's always made where it's like, well, what if someone else has a really good commander? You're like, perfect. I'll just, you know, use one of my gazillion removal spells on it. doesn't matter. Yep. Um, but I think the planeswalker thing is too, is big as well because the planeswalkers in this deck are all very supplemental. I don't think you're going to go cry in the bathroom or go punch beer cans off of, off of a railing, if you get your own Planeswalkers blown out, that cannot be said for a lot of decks, right? A lot of decks really hone in on having these like one or two or four very strong Planeswalkers. So an efficient board wipe, that's that leaves you with your best card probably out there. And like we said, you don't have a ton of creatures that you really need. Um, makes it pretty easy, pretty good inclusion in here. I think, it's, I think it's an interesting card. I don't think it's as good as people think, but I think in this deck, it's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I like this better than Wrath of God for this sure. deck. Yeah, because I, I look at it and I want to board wipe as much as possible. And since we've already moved past it, like I have single combat in here, right? I, I want to board wipe, but always make sure that my commander can stay. And if the trade off is I wipe thirty or forty creatures off the board, but you get to keep your Brea and you get to keep your yeah. Rand. right? Right. I'm right. actually okay with that because I've either removed a lot of your pieces that you needed to kind of do your thing. Or I'll just now fly over you because there'll be someone who doesn't have flying and I'll continue the train exactly. that I want to be on. Um, and it doesn't feel as bad because if I get to keep my commander, it's like, hey, guys, I had to do it. 
Tuck was getting out of control, but don't worry, as long as you keep attacking the person with the lowest life you total can rebuild, among opponents, yeah. you get to draw a card. You get to rebuild a lot quicker. So, Agreed. Let's feel bad. Yeah. Alright, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the hops. Now, we're going to head over to how this deck may or may not win the game, or Mr. Combo just crams cards that he had no place else to put uh, in the yeast section. Yeah, that tracks, so, for, that tracks for a fair amount. <laughs> so, I'm going to just start it off with the, the most glaring one. Came in a secret layer. Oh. I did not run it in a single deck because I don't run an artifact deck. Uh, Darksteel Colossus. Uh, funny enough, it actually has a ton of work in this deck. Really? So it's 11 colorless to play. Artifact creature golem, 11-11. And it has trample and indestructible. And if it ever gets put into the graveyard from anywhere, you reveal it and shuffle it back into the library. So basically, unless it gets exiled, it never dies. Yeah. The thing that's really worked well with this is the same platform I put like Zatulpa on to where big, splashy, dumb creature that its whole purpose is to live in the red zone, which is what I want to do in this yep. deck with uh, with Brina. And it gives me a juicy reanimation target, but also, you know me, I'm very paranoid about mill. It protects me from mill, which is nice. Uh, it does. And I will say I will say this. It does not give you a juicy reanimation target because it will never be in your graveyard. Well, there are ways around that. So, okay, <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah, instant speed. Yeah, go goes in the graveyard. Abilities on the stack. You reanimate it. You're good. What instant speed reanimation do you have in here? I'm not saying it's in here. I'm just <laughs> like once again, this isn't the final product. This is, this I'm just is, giving you. I see. Okay. All right. Yeah, giving you the meat and potatoes. Okay. Uh, so, but really, at the end of the day, guys, it was like I had the card in the binder. Yeah. I was never going to play it anywhere. 11-11 Trample Indestructible is extremely powerful. It's extremely strong, yeah. Um, and, and it does a lot with Brina. And you know what? If I could replace this with a Kozilek, I probably would. Yeah. Or if there was some other, you know, maybe a, a Razaketh, that would have been good. Uh, so there are probably better options out there. But I think for this way that Brina's kind of forming... Just having big, stupid, big beaters, there's nothing wrong with that. It's going to be enough, right? And you have enough things where this is a good late game commander replacement, as we talked about, right? You have enough stuff in here that's, you know, <laughs> commander neutral, if we're going to be PC about it, that you can just slap or tack on the ability onto this, and it's going to do the damage anyways. So um, I'm glad that this isn't a Blightsteel Colossus, probably because you don't have a spare one of those lying around, which is very exciting to me. Uh, so yeah, so I think it's I think it's fine. Uh, it's a fun card, and again, what other deck are you gonna put it in, right? Yep. All right, Tuck, what's your first yeast? So we're gonna go into a little bit of heritage, and this is one of Mister Combos. This is like a this is like a card that you never heard of, and it was shocking to me. Uh, yep. Came came in the precon, and this this card is insanely good. Like I said, it stacks up in the last one. We're talking about our old pal Duelist Heritage. So two colors and a white for an enchantment. Whenever one or more creatures attack, you may have target attacking creature gain double strike until end of turn. And there is a little bit of text here. So let's see what we got. Give me a good one. Please not that goddamn elephant. Uh... <laughs> oh, phew. Uh, Koth, aka the high voice, the high voice Jack Canadian for grownups. <laughs> one of our more obscure things. What we have here? Hey, the best technique outlives their creators. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Uh, Bevers would be proud. Yes, exactly. 
Uh, and oh yeah, we might as well go have some poutine after this, eh? You think? So yeah, this this is one that came in the pre-con because I know you don't own a copy of it, uh, even though you probably should. And it's just really strong, right? This is a weird. This is a deck where most of the time you're not gonna be going super wide. Like we talked about, there are those themes underneath it, but for the most part, to me, this is like one creature, preferably your commander, going in the red zone and getting value, right? So for you, it, it gives you that pretty much straight away. However, this is also a deck like we talked about that incentive that your incentivizes your opponents to attack. So you're like, hey, that like five five that you're swinging in. What if I told you you could draw a card? and do 10 to this person who's like slowly getting out of hand that flexibility into it where you don't have to do it as well right where it's not like every turn someone has to get double strike because that come bite you right square in the ass uh, it's a really strong politics card it plays well into your commander theme all around just a great inclusion in the deck yeah i, I there was no way i was going to cut it from the deck once yep. i saw it uh it is great i i guess i could probably put this in my go deck that would probably make a lot of That'd sense be good um, but you know, I don't really do the politics thing a whole lot, so I, I don't know if I would just put it in deck, slap just it to in there just it. for funsies, yeah. But man, in this deck, because Nathan did so well with this card when he played his Brina deck a couple weekends ago or last, whenever it was, uh, and it was very much every turn. Hey, uh, where, where are you swinging that stuff? You want me to give a double strike? And then yep. you're like, yeah. And it's like, okay, we'll swing that there and I'll give it double strike. Yep. It's like, okay. Uh, and you just become the puppet master with all of your puppets. So in turning, there's a difference between giving the creature a 1-1 one, one to attack somewhere else and giving something double, right? It's it's so yep. strong. All right. Well, my second card is a card that, funny enough, I've casted. This is my um, Army of the De Damned in Mr. Magoo's Jaleva deck. Sure. This technique allows me to demonstrate just how strong reanimation is. So, incarnation technique. Oh, hey, is, yeah. I'll completely <laughs> miss that. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Four colorless black sorcery rare, and because Tuck flopped it, he gets to read a lot of text. Damn it. All right. This I was is over lot. here, like, demonstrate my technique. I completely forgot. I give you all the clues. All right, I'm not going to lie to you. After we, were, we recorded last night, and I was like, I was outside. I was gonna. Have, I was like, I'm gonna have one beer and go to bed, right? And then I could tell that people underneath me were having a couple of a uh, little bit of those burners. And I've been off the burner train for a while, so I was like, Do I? Do I not? Do I do it? I don't know. End up going down there and like playing spades with them till like one in the morning. Uh, not great. So I'm. I'm. I haven't quite shaken it off yet. But this does have demonstrate. When you cast this spell, you may copy it. Uh, if you do, choose an opponent to also copy it. Then it says, mill five cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And while I'm rolling uh, up the reader here, you are right. It is funny how that like that five is the bog standard for black reanimation, yep. right? Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. So we have Malakan, which is Will Ferrell from Zoolander. So, um, oh God, I'm trying to think about the issue. <laughs> That Hansel, he's so yeah, hot. Yeah, I know. Right I was now. just going to say, yeah, that Brina, it's so hot. It's that and the crazy pill thing. So draw out your fear, but don't let it control you. You're in charge now and taking crazy pills. <laughs> Who gave us that one? That one sucks. That's not a fun one. I think that might have been me, but I think I did it way better. Uh, well, you're not yeah. wrong. So here's the thing I've gotten this card every single time, I've casted it every single time. Really? <laughs> And I've demonstrated it every single time. <laughs> so 
in the five or six games, I've been able to essentially resolve this card 10 times or 12 times. Um, and the thing I love about it is the demonstrate effect is choose an opponent to also Yes, copy. right, right, right. So it's like, hey, you're not playing a creature deck, are you? How about you mill five? Right, it's right, not right. even Because here's the thing. If it said, if you do choose an opponent who uh, to also copy it, if they do not, your copy is countered or something yes, like yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. Then that would be a little bit more on par. But the fact that it's like, hey, mill five, bro. Like I don't, I don't care if you're a lands matters deck and you just have fifty forests in there, aka marketing Ross and uh, Arami Izami. No, Zumi. No, the why? Why can't I remember her name? The green chick allows you to play yeah, two yeah. extra lands. Azusa, Azusa. Thank you. So it's like, oh, I know you're playing like fifty something forests, but why don't you mill five? Yeah, right. Uh, and the the blowback is going to be so minimal because you only cast this. When you feel really good, mm -hmm. like yeah. I already know that I have a, oh, uh, uh, I don't know. Let's just go with like Windborn Muse. I need a yep. little bit of protection. Or maybe there's an Athreos, God of Passage in my graveyard. That's nice enough. But now I'm going to mill a total of 10 cards and get to pick something from my graveyard. Right. That's very, very good. So that's why when you're talking about, I don't know if you're going to be able to like have the creatures in there when you have the reanimate targets. This spell right here, you're gonna have a juicy right. one. That's a big blowout once you get through ten. As long as, as long as, yeah, I agree with you, and I can see the point of like, as long as you have one card, you only need one in your graveyard, and then this card pays for itself, right? So yep. there's a good chance that you're gonna get something else, at least another target, right? It not may not be the best mm -hmm. backbreaking card in the deck, but it is another target that you're gonna two for one yourself, and also hopefully screw off someone else off the top of their library. Now the bigger question though is with the demonstrate effect. So if you do demonstrate, so you make a copy, and then you choose an opponent to make a copy, since theirs is last in, they're going to resolve their copy first, and then you do both of yours? Or Correct. does it go your copy, their copy, your original? I think it goes theirs, yours, yours. Okay. because That's choose, even better. Because the opponent doesn't have the choice to copy it either, right? So that goes on the stack Yeah, they first. have to. Yeah. And it always, it's because you, you always, it's always your opponent's stuff resolves before yours. So yeah, yeah, so they do their five, you do your ten, get your two creatures back. Well, you would technically you, do, you do five, your five, do one, get your creature, do your five, do your five again. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Tuck, I think you only got one left. I do. Let's see if you're better at giving clues than apparently I am. Uh, I was kind of confused as to why this was in the yeast because I feel like it might be a little bit more of a hop card. But this guy, I gonna, think we're talking about the same one. This guy's gonna give you some discipline. You act disciplined. How I like it in the bedroom. Hey All right. Three, two, one. Nils Discipline Enforcer. Enforcer. Woo! I lost my gums, so I don't have anything to rattle or shake. So here's two cans <laughs> tapping together. Like Did you say you lost your sex. gun, so you have nothing to rattle or shake? <laughs> no, my gum. I had like a thing of gum oh. out here. And oh, I, oh wait, here we go. Oh, it's, it was, was like, my laptop. There we go. <laughs> I was concerned on why you needed a gun to go around and shake like is that how they do it in north carolina they just shoot yeah it's just like that, that's like the that's a call it's just like the the bullets rattling around in the magazine jesus <laughs> all right two colorless white legendary creature human cleric and i'll read this since tuck's read a lot thank you uh it's a two two it's a rare uh at the beginning of your end step for each player put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature that player controls which i see that's why you think it's a hops mm. Each creature with one or more counters on it can't attack you or planeswalkers you control 
Unless its controller pays X, where X is the number of counters on that creature. So let me explain real quick before you give your two cents. By definition, it is a hops card. Uh -huh. It protects you from your opponents. The reason I put it in yeast is the same reason sometimes people put cards like crawl space in yeast or a peacekeeper in yeast. If I literally shut down my opponents from attacking me, I've won the game. And so I look at this as a card because of how much plus one counter stuff is happening amongst all the colors. There's not a single time that I sit at a table where someone isn't just naturally playing a ton of plus one counters. And so I look at Nils more often than not, it's actually going to completely shut a player out from ever attacking me versus I'm just taxing you a little bit and making it difficult because... I mean, if you got seven plus one counters on your creature, are you really going to pay seven to attack me? Probably not. So that's my that's that's the your okay. I put it. I I yeah. get I I hear I so I listen to what you said. <laughs> I heard it. It's processing. I will give you this. This card is a extraordinarily sweaty yeast. <laughs> there we go. It okay. is very sweaty. It is a greasy. Hop. Okay, there you How go. How about that? I'll get I will give you there that. You I go. see what you're saying, and I think I've done that this sort of nonsense before, so who am I to judge? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, yes, so I, I I can I can pick that up, if you will, of the fact that it it can win you the game because when you don't lose the game, you kind of win it. Uh so that yeah. why this is this is a fairly sweaty pick in the yeast. And by fairly I mean extremely. But but you do have a good point. You, I think you articulated it very well. And, uh, you know, maybe the collective will or will not agree with you on it. So here's the question, though. At 45 cents, two colorless white, does this become a better pick than Ghostly Prison? <sighs> Just because of how widespread yeah. the uh, counter stuff is? I don't think so. I think it's close, right? Okay. Like, I, but Ghostly Prison. This okay, so this card but is this much, also protects Planeswalkers. It does, which is good. That's that's big. Um, I just think Ghostly Prison. Most of the time, people it's gonna. Most of the time, unless people are playing Voltron, they are going to attack you with more than one creature. So Ghostly Prison does more than that. And even if they are playing Voltron, they probably have the mana left over to pay for it over turn. I don't think it's better, but it's close, right? And I, I will, okay, so here's what I'll give you though. If you're playing like human tribal deck, Claret tribal decks, Creatures Matters deck, that sort of thing, this is an easy swap out for Ghostly Prison because it's close okay. enough. But I don't know if it's just a straight, just better version of it. And then last question, is this a straight better version than Norn's Annex? Oof. Because technically, Nord's Annex, you can cast for three, but yeah. it costs you four life to do so. But then they pay X for each creature, where X is the number of enchantments. So at stack, they get one tax. Wait, sorry, you're thinking of Sphere of Safety. That's Sphere of Safety? Yeah, you're going to it up. Sphere of Safety is the one. It's four colorless uh, and a white. And then they can't attack you with... They can't attack you or Planeswalkers to control unless their controller pays X for each one of those creatures where X is the enchantment control. 
And then Norns is the one where they have to pay. Where they have the to pay white. two life yeah. or a white. So, Sorry. And I did I did still mean Norns Annex. I think so. Norns Annex, do you think that's better or do you think this is better? Because they could just pay the two life uh, and hit you. I think it's a sim I think it's a similar argument with Ghostly Prison. I think Norns Annex is probably just a little better. Um, just because it's a little bit wider. I will say, I will give you this though. This card is better in most decks that will run it than a same deck running Sphere of Safety. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's what I think. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the East package. Now we're going to head over to the Spice. Tuck, what's your Spice option? Uh, this card is hysterical, and I'm so proud you put it in here because I've tried to make this card work over and over and over again. Um, but they also counseled me about my legal matters of the Spirit Realm. So, Obzadat Ghost Council. Colorless, two white, two black for a 5-5 legendary creature Spirit Advisor. It's a rare... The foil is about a buck fifty. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. At the beginning of your end step, you may exile uh, Obzidat. If you do, return to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of your next upkeep. It gains haste. Love it. Like the definition of a spice card, right? Helps you gain life, drains people. Even if it's only two, right? The drips and drabs, the dinks and dunks of the world, still worth it, right? Let's go down. And then it's a five-five beater that has haste, right? Great reanimation target if it ever gets if it ever gets killed, because then you get back into it you're going to be able to attack another opponent and you probably don't really care as long as you can get through to somebody with it. There's going to, even if they jump with a two, two or a token or something like that, you're still going to come through on it. I'm, I've always liked this card a lot and I just never found the home for it. I think this is a perfect home for it in the spice package. Well, you didn't even talk about the reason it's in the deck. What the reason it's in the deck is because I can then start manipulating which opponent has the oh, lowest life total. Okay. And so everyone always yeah. has a target to be able to hit. Right, 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 right. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that makes a lot so of sense. So that's, that's the reason it's in Spice. Because, I mean, in theory, it should probably be in Grain because it is furthering that game plan. Right. But it's never there as a blocker. And so that's it's like, okay, you literally work on my turn. And then, yeah, you may be able to influence what my opponents do uh, as long as Brina's out. But you don't do anything for basically three quarters of the game. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 When you're that limited, let me just put you here. Uh, but I did think it was pretty funny. I was looking at that and I was like, I, I feel like there's a way to maybe use this ETB because, like you said, if everyone's at forty life, like beginning a game, uh, I don't get any triggers. But right. Hey, right. 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 At, boom. You're now at thirty-eight. Uh, here now we go. Everyone <laughs> else is online. Let's right. go. So it's fun. Uh, my. Spice. We already talked about the other half. We're talking about the other part. Okay. Uh, I felt like there's no way you talk about one without the other. Yep. We're talking about Regna the Redeemer. Five colorless white legendary creature angel. That's a rare from Battle Bond. It's a 4-4. Four, four. Partner with Crab. Same type of deal. When this ATBs, I can search my library for Crab. I put it in hand or just get a free shuffle. Uh, it has flying. And at the beginning of each in step, if I gained life yeah, this turn, say. create two. <laughs> Teams don't exist. Uh, <laughs> but if if uh, my team gained life this turn, create two one one white warrior creature tokens. The reason I have this in Spice is I don't have tons of life gain mm -hmm. throughout the deck. Like, Crav does way more in this deck than Regna does. Yes. But we just talked about uh, Obzidat. That will gain me life. That gets me a couple tokens. It kind of helps with that token theme. I think there's enough stuff in here that gets me life gain. Like, we didn't talk about it, uh, but I have the uh, Soar and Vengeful Blood. That yep. As long as it's yeah, my yeah. turn, creatures and planeswalkers have lifelink. So I do think there's lots of ways for me to gain that life. 
But the big thing with Regna is I'm going to pay six, maybe get something out of it, but I tutored Crav. I got Crav yeah. to hand. Next turn, I get to play Crav, and Crav will actually advance the game. And I think as soon as you get them... So this is why I said earlier why they're so good as Orzov. Like, they're, why they go, in, in my opinion, almost every Orzov deck flat out. And why they go in a lot of other decks that care about this is like they're good enough where... They're your, if you get the two of them out and have black mana open, you're you're off oh to the races. God. It's insane, right? So it's worth it. You literally in a rotation would pay three black or no, sorry, four black because you also count your turn. Yeah. And at the by the time it gets back to you, you would have netted four warriors, drawn four cards, and gained four life. And put and, and turn your craft would have gone up by four, which is humongous, yeah. right? So that, yeah. like, I, again, it's not, Regna is not a slam dunk in this deck, right? But mm -hmm. it's so good with the other, it doesn't serve any purpose to have one without the other, right? And you still yeah. have, like, ways to gain life, all that other jazz, you know, it's really strong. And like I said, you just, you need to have them both. Like, there's really no way around it. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the spice package. Now we're going to have it over the bottle cap. And as a reminder, there's going to be big texanized cuts and adds to the deck that are going to be under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no-budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana-only lands. So I will start this off. I'm cutting a Planeswalker. Got to oh. do it because he is just too... It's too spicy. Blackbane? We're getting rid of Soren, Lord of Innistrad. Oh, yeah. He kind of stinks. So, two colorless Orzov, that's white and black, Planeswalker Soren, Mythic, it's a three loyalty, and the copy I have is about seven-ish dollars. It has three activated abilities. Put a plus one, plus, plus one, put a one-one black vampire creature token with lifelink onto the battlefield. Minus two loyalty, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus one, plus oh. Minus six, destroy up to three target creatures and or Planeswalkers, return each one put into the graveyard this mm. way to the battlefield under my control. So it's it's like it does two of the things that I want to do, kind of. Yeah. Okay. yeah it's yeah. like I kind of want to do tokens, and yeah, it's plus makes tokens. And like, yeah, I get this emblem that buffs my go wide strategy, which I can maybe kind of do that. The minus six is actually very, very cool. I just don't think I'm ever going to get there. And I don't think it's worth having a card in the 99 paying for mana for a whimsical ultimate, which planeswalkers are always yeah. difficult to ultimate to begin with. I agree. Yeah, it's it's fine. Like I think it's I think most of Sorens are like kind of in that same realm. It just doesn't do anything great that this deck wants, right? Mm -hmm. But I have a card that you and I have cut religiously <laughs> from decks over the last year because it used it it, it it's like old school commander. It's big, it's splashy, Wait. it's a Sun Titan. I was just going to say, you didn't let me guess, it's Sun Titan, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, four colorless, white, white, creature giant, mythic. It has vigilance, it's a 6-6. Six, six. You could get them ranging from like 50 cents all the way up to $3 if you get one from the list. Yeah. Which apparently is like the most expensive. Bizarre. Version. No idea why that exists. Um, and so, when it, it has vigilance, and when it ETBs, uh, or attacks, I get to return target permanent card with CMC three or less from our graveyard to the battlefield. And I did the homework. 64% of my deck is eligible for Sun Titan. Ooh, that is good. And if, and if you take out the lands that don't do anything, like a mirror, if you, if you leave in myriad landscape and, and sure, stuff yeah, like sure. that, you're still at 
40 targets, 45 targets. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when almost 50% of the deck is an eligible target for Sun Titan, why wouldn't you have it? Yeah. Um, Plus, it kind of goes a little bit into the reanimation theme. And it's a creature I'm going to attack. So it's going to be in the red zone. It's going to trigger Brina. And on top of that, it has vigilance. And I talked about how I need to have blockers. So I think this fuels a whole lot of what my deck would like to do. It's not going to win me the game, but it's definitely going to help me stay in it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty keen on that pick. Again, it's bizarre to hear that Sun Titan's actually going into a deck instead of out of one. I know. But (laughs) it also gets your commander back, right? And again, it's just the same argument with barrel rights and all that other stuff, right? So... Um, the fact that it does all of that and gets your most important card in the deck out out of the graveyard for free, quote unquote. Sure, why yeah. not? <laughs> all right, Tuck. Well, what's your under five dollar cut and add? So you have a lot of removal in here, including one that I like better than this card. So I'm actually going to cut out uh, Larry Nevin's disc. Uh, you have Oblivion Stone in here, which for me is just a better pick. So four colorless for an artifact uh, enters battlefield tapped one colorless tap destroy all artifacts creatures and enchantments pretty mean potatoes um, I don't I just don't think you need it like I think you have a lot of good removal in here um, and it, I don't think this is a card you want you want some of these removal cards to kind of help you win the game right and disc mm-hmm. is just a reset button right and I think sure per- personally I like Oblivion Stone a little bit better because you can put your fate counter on your commander and then pop it the next turn. You can also, if it's late game, you can do oblivion stone straight out the gates. Um, so I'm actually choose. I ch- intentionally chose three cards from Strixhaven. So I want to talk about all new cards. And this is one that uh, I think is pretty sweet in here. Some people would call it um, ink coup, if you will, but blot out the sky does what this does and can win you the game. Not all the way, but Blood of the Sky is X colorless and a white and a black silver quill, if you will, for a sorcery. It's two color. It's two dollars. It's a mythic rare. Create X X colorless and uh, Orzov. Create X tapped two one white and black inkling creature tokens with flying. If X is six or more, destroy all non creature non land permanents. So you're just basically recommending the. Uh, um Oh, what what's that? A uh, white one? It's Marshall Coup. Soldiers, Marshall Coup. <laughs> that's why yeah. I called it. That's why I called just it. recommending Marshall Coup. I called it Ink Coup. Uh, to be fair, uh, the uh, the Marshall Coup only gets um, creatures, which this one shockingly does not. Right, which mm. is why I like it. So what you're you're trying to you already have all your creature board wipes in here, right? That is going to handle your keep your commander out here, like we talked about with the slash ranks and whatnot. So this will blow up all the problemsome other non-creatures that you're looking for and then leave you with a fat army that you will be able to then hopefully take away with the game. I think this card's really cool. I wish they weren't tapped. But again, this is a big, big game end swinger that I think is going to get you further than Discworld. I'm not a fan. Uh, the the non-creature piece is what... That's what you don't that, like. If yeah. I'm looking... Yeah, because if I'm looking at the average board, like even yesterday, creatures outmanned the non-creature stuff and non-land stuff like two or three to one. And it's like, am I really trying to blot out the sky to get rid of your soul ring and your signet and this and that? 
when I could probably just austere command, get rid of all that stuff, and maybe some token creatures, or maybe some bigger CMC creatures. So that's the only thing I'm, I'm a little stuck on, is if, if it just had destroy all non-land permanents, if it's six or more. Yeah, sure. Or hell, even if they if they wanted to make it more <clears throat> difficult, and then say 10 or more, yeah, or then eight, that's fine. Eight or more, like, yeah. Well, like they could have gone with like a five or more destroy all non or six or more destroy all non creature non land permanents. If X equals ten, destroy all yeah, yeah, non land yeah. permanents. Like like something like tremors, right? Yeah, yeah. G give me something to where I can hit the creatures as well. But I do agree, it is a fun card. And hey, I just need to put an amulet of vigor in here, and that tap thing isn't yeah, an issue. Yeah, not anymore. a problem. Exactly. The old now that you, you know, I got thirty that, of them. I was gonna say now that you're ripping them out of decks left, right, and center. All right. Well, that's. Uh, oh, and then I didn't really get to give any thoughts on Neverall's disc. Um, I I'm, I'm going to leave in Nev's disc, and and the biggest reason that I think Nev's disc is is better than Oblivion Stone is because it's only one to activate, opposed to five to activate. Having to leave up five mana to sack the stone to destroy all the things without fate counters is a lot of mana to constantly leave up. I can, in good conscience, even in a bad mana deck, leave up a colorless mm. source. Because it's like, what am I going to do with it? Like, maybe I could have got out a 5 CMC instead of 4 CMC, but I'd rather keep the board wipe ready. 5, leave it up. I'm not playing at instant speed. So, yeah, that's but true. I wanted Oblivion Stone in here because I do like your idea of the fate counter. Right. Yeah. You're setting the, the yourself whole, the whole rigmarole. You're setting it. yourself up for a later big turn. Yeah. Yep. All right. Under 50. I'm cutting it. It's a new card. I think it sucks. Pendant of Prosperity. Don't like it. Oh. I've, I've played with it <laughs> twice, and it just doesn't work. Doesn't yeah, work. yeah. Yeah. So, Three colorless artifact rare. Uh, Pendant of Prosperity enters the battlefield under the control of an opponent of your choice. Two colorless tap, draw a card, then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. The Pendant of Prosperity's owner draws a card, then that player may put a land card from their hand onto the battlefield. I've seriously, I've played it in two games, and both times they're like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> eh, I'm all right. <laughs> no, like, I'm good. If they, if, they, if they were forced to do it, then yes, this yeah. would be great. Like, at the end uh, of the player's turn, uh, they must pay, kind of like the mana leak, where you have to pay. Mm -hmm. So if they had something like that, then I'd be all for it, because then they're either just going to have to float all their mana just so that I can't do it, or uh, it's going to make them, like, play their hand a little too quick. So... I think it's out of here. Uh, doesn't really move the needle. I agree. I think it. I think it reads a lot better than it than it actually is. Um, and yeah. I think to your point, if it was something where it's like, if it was four and any player can activate this, right, and they reword it to where, oh you can, yeah, like someone else can force them to do that, right, and then they benefit a lot out like of the it. Rakdos legend. Yeah, right. Like I think that would be really cool. Um, but yeah, like when you reread it, it's so narrow, and you're just gonna be unless they're desperate, when are they gonna use it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, see, then if you did it like where it's the whole anyone could activate it, then it becomes really neat to where it's a, well, I got to I got to pay four as quick as I can because it's going to tap and then I won't be able to oh, do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah, it's yeah. like, it's really like forcing people to like go. That's a way, that's like, a way better card. <laughs> that's way cooler. Yeah. God, why don't we work for the design yeah. team? Come on, Please. Gavin or whoever. All right. Well, the card I'm going to add, we've talked a lot about counters. It's a weird plus one, plus one counter deck for some reason. So I think adding in this one CMC legendary artifact is going to save my bacon. Oh, I know what you're doing. We're talking, instead of Orzov, we're talking the Ozolith. Ozov. Uh, so 
A legendary artifact rare from Ikoria. Whenever a creature I control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put those counters on the Ozolith. Beginning of combat on your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move all the counters from the Ozolith onto target creature. So the reason I like this a lot is all the hard work that Brina does, building up those counters, building up those counters. She's about to smack someone for like 21 command, and then she gets mm -hmm. murdered. The best removal card in all of Magic. Of course. Um, well, you just lost all the turns of people attacking each other, you living in the red zone, and now you don't have anything to show for it. You have to start from scratch while putting all 21 counters on the Ozolith, and then I don't even have to put it back on Brina if I don't want to. I'll throw it on the Darksteel Colossus because it has Trample, or I'll throw it on Zatalpa mm -hmm. with the Flying and Double Strike. It just gives me that flexibility and the fact that it just says leaves the battlefield, not dies, exiles. Like It doesn't matter what happens. If it's leaving the battlefield, I'm getting those counters yeah. to the Ozolith, and now this creates another removal target for my opponents to where now they're having to decide... Do I really want to get rid of that, or do I want to get rid of like Basilisk Collar or like a Shadow Spear or sort mm -hmm. of Feast and Famine? Some of these other gross artifacts that are out there. Yeah, I agree. It's really strong. Um, I think that we've talked before about being. It's a dangerous game to play about putting cards in for your sub themes, right? But this one's so good, and the bottom of it is so low for just one. You're gonna get your value out of it, right? So yeah, I, this was kind of on the on the range for me. I can't believe it's thirteen dollars at the cheapest. Yeah, which is wild, but I mean, counters are running rampant, and they don't seem to be like shutting down anytime soon. No, sir. All right, Tuck, what are you doing for your fifty? So uh, this there's kind of three options in here that I'm not particularly keen on, um, and this is the one that for some reason just struck out to me. But I'm gonna cut out Martial Impetus. So two colorless and a white for oh. an enchanted creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and is goaded. Um, and then whenever a enchanted creature attacks, each other creature that's attacking one of your opponents gets plus one, plus one till end of turn. Uh, you can kind of make the same argument for a lot of these. This one, to me, just reads the weakest. Um, I like the other one. Uh, the other impetus deals damage. And then the vow, you can always slap on your own commander to deal some damage and give it vigilance as well. So I kind of get where it's going. And if there was more... If there's a little bit more of a token support, then I'd be a lot keener on this because you could put it on your own. But oh. I just, I it just didn't, it didn't really ring the bell for me. Yeah, see, I, I, I left it in because the goat thing obviously that fits into the politics. Sure, thing. we don't yeah. need to get into that. But mainly, people sometimes get deterred attacking for Brina's trigger because they don't want their stuff to die. Right. So having the martial impetus, it's like, hey, I'm forcing you to attack. You can point the impetus at someone else, but the person with the life total that you actually want to hit, you can put all your other creatures at because they don't have to attack the same creature. Just attacking one of your opponents. Yep. Now all your two twos or three threes are now three threes and four fours, and they may be more inclined to go to that red zone. Yeah, that but, makes sense. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you're going to replace it with. So we're going to replace it with a, what do they call them, MFDC? That's also from Strixhaven. So I All saw right. this on the stream for grownups from Star City Games, and it did work in one of these Orzhov decks. So I think that replacing it with Shalai, Dean of Radiance, slash Embrose, Dean of Shadow, is a pretty interesting pick. So uh, the front half of this, Shalai, Shali, Dean of Radiance, is a colorless and a white. Flying Vigilance, tap it, put a 1-1 counter on each creature that entered the battlefield on your control this turn. And then when you turn her on over, we have Embrose, Dean of Shadow. Tap, put a 1-1 counter on another target creature, then it deals 2 damage to that creature. Whenever a creature you control with a 1-1 counter on it dies, draw a card. 
So for me, this will, this to me more so than the impetus, if you're trying to go wide and you're trying to build that up with your tokens, then you can do the Shalai bit, right? Then you're going to be able to put your tokens out and get like a bunch of them on it. If you do like your ink shield, that sort of thing, you're going to be casting your commander multiple times. So giving it an additional burst to me is worth it. And then on the side end of it, you can kind of use it as a removal. If they have some troublesome birds of paradise or something silly like that, you can always put one on one of your big creatures because it's going to live through the two damage. And then this will be, if you, when there is the inevitable, the inevitable board wipe, you're going to have creature tokens. You're going to have tokens on creatures you control either from this, from your commander, from one of your other things. And then you're going to at least be able to draw a card off of it without taking any life or anything along those lines. Refill your hand, rebuild your board. So I'm confused. You're cutting the impetus because I don't have enough go wide token, right. but you're putting in Shalai and the justification is because I have a go wide token. Ex exactly. That doesn't make any sense. But you will, so the impetus I don't like because I don't like, I don't like that you have to do it on another player. Of Like, you, this one's more focused on you, right? Like, these two cards are focused on your side of the board and then some slight removal. You don't have to do it on another player. I know. You can impetus your own stuff. But, the, oh, the other thing I didn't like about the impetus, and this is what I remember, just remembered, it doesn't deal with tokens. It just gives them plus one, plus one until end of turn. So, if we okay. were going to commit to a theme, I'd rather commit to a plus one, plus one counter. So I, I saw this card. Here's here's my issue, sure. and I can only say because I have played the deck a few times. Umbridge. I'm not making a bunch of tokens, like right. at once. So the fact that I have to tap her to put the counters on, and they have to enter the battlefield that turn, that's where it turns me off. Now, if it was a static effect, you know, whenever a creature yeah, enters right, the battlefield right. under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Even if they had to eradicate it to say something like during your turn put a plus one plus one counter for creatures entering the battlefield sure. like put some restriction yeah. that would be fine um yeah i agree with the other side it's just like if you need removal or if you want to have protection but the the biggest challenge i actually have and it's with the the set the set of deans mm -hmm. i feel like unless they're your commander they're somewhat unplayable you're just doing them you're just doing the one side yeah you're just doing the one side and that's it because even if i reanimate Shalai, Dean of Radiance from the graveyard. I don't think I can choose to put the other side on because in the graveyard, it is Shalai. So that is the right, card. Right. I, just like you can't tutor based on the other side of a card. So that, that's one thing I kind of struggle with is you basically, you commit to one and then if you ever get to reuse it, it's only Shalai it's for only the rest the front of side of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't know if you'd given much thought about trying to run these in the 99 of any of your decks. There's a couple. Um, I think the black green one's pretty solid, uh, and then the white red one I think has some potential. But honestly, I haven't looked. <laughs> I have like a stack of cards this thick that I already need to go through. So upgrading to Strixhaven and Modern Horizons two isn't really on my isn't really on my radar, unfortunately. That's fair. All right, we're going on to the no budget. Trying to wrap up the episode. I am cutting army armory of Iros. It just yeah. does not fit. It does, but it doesn't. Two colorless artifact equipment, common. It's two pennies for a foil copy. Um, whenever equipped creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and it takes two to equip. I don't know. It's just, it's only one. It doesn't yeah. double the amount of counters. It doesn't do yeah. anything sexy. <clears throat> it's just that. It was on the list for me. I think the fact that it is an equipment gives it a little bit of wiggle room, but I, I completely agree with it. 
But I wanted to add a card. I've already tried to incentivize my opponents to not attack me through the carrot. But now I'm going to have to show them the closed fist. The stick, yes. And when I do that, I do it with no mercy. So Oof. we're talking two colorless black, black enchantment rare. Uh, I can get an unreadable copy from... Uh, actually, that looks kind of readable. Uh, from Amonkhet Invocations for 100 bucks, or I could just get the Urza's Legacy for 50 uh, and it states whenever a creature successfully deals damage to you, which basically just means whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, destroy it. I feel like this is a great card to have in the deck over the uh, art the equipment because I plop this. It's an enchantment, so it's hard to get rid of. And it's like, hey, you guys caught on to my game. Right. I'm over here. I'm kind of like Emperor Palpatine and, and Senator Palpatine. It's like, oh, you finally saw me in my true form. Well, if you want to try to hit me, you can, and you will hit me, but I will kill your stuff. It will get destroyed. Is that a trade you're willing to make? This, Yeah, this card's like borderline black staple if it wasn't $50. And even if it is, it's like, so what? Desperately needs, yeah. a, rep it needs a reprint so bad because it's so strong, but I can understand why they don't. And yes, like, not only are they going to have to pay mana to attack you, they're also going to have to give you a card off the top of their library and that creature ultimately isn't going to die or ultimately dies makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, no mercy is really, really strong. Do you think no mercy could be one of those? Cause they have put some high dollar cards in secret layers. Can oh, we see that in like a secret layer? hundred percent. That would be like the perfect way to do it. Right. Cause I was talking with rocketing Moss about this and like in each set, they put in like that one in each secret layer, or whatever they like, they give you one, they give you like one card in there that you really want, right? And the rest of them are kind of like, eh, yep. whatever, right? Like Bloom Tender or Teferi's Protection or whatever. Oh my God. I know, yeah. right? So this would be like that perfect card to be like, all right, here's some trash, but here's the No Mercy that you're going to get for $50 as opposed to however much it is or $30 or whatever, right? That yep. would be perfect for it. Get on it, Wizards. Yeah, figure it out. Just hire us already. All right. Tuck, take us home. Uh, okay, so I am going to actually cut. This is a Tomer recommendation, and I completely agree. So I'm going to cut uh, Zatalpa Primal Dawn. What? It's fine. Six colorless, white-white for a 4-8 so blind, double-strike, vigilance, trample, indestructible. It's fine, right? It's the, it's the new generic white finisher, you know? Totally fine. Totally why, did, okay. why didn't you just cut Darksteel Colossus? I, you could do that as well if you wanted to. It's really one. It's uh, only one or other. I just see Darksteel Colossus less, so I want to see Darksteel Colossus more. So I want to. <laughs> so that's why I selfishly want him still in the deck. Uh, but yeah, like Zapulpa. Don't get me wrong. Zapulpa is a very strong card. It's a great finisher, a great reanimator target, all that jazz. I just don't like the fact that it costs eight, um, and you don't like have a way to like entombment or something naturally to reanimate, right? Mm -hmm. so that's why i am going to be cutting it uh and this is also what uh tomer cut it for and i completely agree and i did this for my pre-con so i'm cutting it for the boy himself the namesake gotta have him in here shadrick's silver quill this card is a beater three colorless white and a black for a three two five flying double striker then the beginning of combat on your turn you may choose to each mode must target a different player. Target player creates a 2-1 white-black uh, inkling creature token with flying. Target player draws a card and loses a life. Target player puts a 1-1 counter on each creature they control. So for me, this card naturally plays into all the themes we're talking about. 
manipulating the table, slight plus one, plus one counter theme, and slight token strategy. And it's about $5 right now. And on top of that, it's a four, it's a two, five flyer with double strike. You got to put it in here. It's a namesake. Well, okay. So here's the thing. Uh, two, five double strike. Does it compare to four, eight double strike? Okay. First off. Second off, it's also indestructible. This isn't. Uh, Fine. And question, because we've never had this wording before. May choose two. So if you choose to do it, you have to do two, correct? You have two, to correct? do two. You have to do two. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean... The, the, it, tulp is a, look, so the Tulp is a fine card, but it's boring, right? It doesn't... But here's the thing, though. We, we didn't talk about it, but I have things in here like Odric, that with all the keywords, gives it to everything, okay. and Zatulpa is keyword soup. So, like, there's synergy with that. I think I would rather, and I know you're going to hate this, I'd rather cut Darkseal Colossus oh. for this if we're trying to do that and if you're trying to stay more theme-based because Zatulpa provides more to the deck than Darksteel does. Darksteel was literally just let me throw it in there. I, or even yeah. if you wanted to cut Necropolis Regent, that could be one to replace this dragon with because, I mean, it is a 6-5 for 6 with flying and it does some stuff. Uh, so I think there's things in here, or even God Eternal Aketra. Yeah, that, that could be that was on the list. This. So God Eternal was on the list. Both the Odricks were because they're like you said, like you kind of have one foot in on both of these things. So if you're playing a, Vol a Voltron deck, then neither the Odricks are really going to help you. They're only going to work when you have your your token sub theme. Well, no, because I have 25 creatures in the deck. I'm swinging with other creatures, and that's why that's combat. why I left them. That's why I left them in because I looked and saw the creature count. Mm. So what either if you want to do, I just cut the Talpa because I just it's fine. You can cut. I think cutting Dark Soul Colossus kind of makes more sense. Like I said, it's just more fun to see that deck out in the wild. Anyway, you cut it though. You gotta get your boy Shadrix in here. He's gotta come. He's gotta guide. He's gotta guide Brina into doing the political shenanigans and machinery and machinations the sect desperately needs. Well, what this episode definitely needs is to be at the end. So thanks for making it. And as promised, here's some details about the brand new giveaway from Level 1 for July. We're actually giving away four Mystical Archive Japanese alternate art cards. Ooh, cool. And every episode, we are actually going to announce uh, one of the cards. So today, I'm here to announce, very excited, that we're going to be giving away a foil Japanese alternate art growth spiral. Oh, everyone sweet. likes Growth Spiral. Yeah, everyone yeah. likes Growth Spiral. Great card. Yeah, Simic, draw a card, play an extra land this turn. Why would instant speed? Seems nice. And to enter, it's super, super simple. Oh. Just promote the content we produce. You get, every, you get an, an entry for every interaction you do with us out on the social media, being a part of our patron community, just all different sorts of things. Uh, but... We will announce the winner on MTG Action 4 News August the 4th and our Twitter account soon after. And yes, we'll do these giveaways every month. It just depends on what level one we'll hook you guys up with. We would love a five-star review, a subscribe on whatever consumption platform you're watching or listening to us on, whether it's on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're there. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us and find more ways you can enter into the contest, here's how you could do that. You can reach me at Mr. 5 on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. Big Tuck, where can they reach you? When you don't put your phone on do not disturb. I this is I think a this these weeks have been like records of things I've been posting to Twitter. I'm on there at Big Tuck tweeting. 
Um, I was having a great chat with uh, old pal Mr. Bevers about some stuff. Uh, and who is the most recent out-of-touch celebrity you have wished a happy birthday to? Uh, that is a good question. I gave it to, give me, hold please, uh, Lance Reddick. Star star of Godzilla versus King Kong, where he was like third build and in the movie for literally one scene. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, you could reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. Uh, we will have a website where this deck listed will be posted at cmdtower.com slash B and B E97. And that's also where you can find our whole back catalog and even see our most recent tweets from the crew. Uh, basically, just type in Coveted Jewel Magister of Worth Duelist Heritage Tower dot com. Squee McGee, if people want to find out, get a hold of your Manolith commentary, how would they do that? He can do everything you need from an audio perspective. It does have a full studio if you ever come to the KC Metro area. If you would like to actually hook up our sponsor with the orders you're already doing, just head over to level1gameshop.com. When you place an order in the order notes, just type out CMD Tower so they know that you came from the collective. And of course, they do have a TCG store, so if you'd rather purchase that way, but they sell board game stuff, they sell dice, playmats, everything you need to channel your inner nerd. If you would like to help fill up our slush fund, which I hate that I keep calling it that, but yes! it got stuck in my head. Where yes. we can constantly improve our equipment and the content we put out, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have many different tiers from as simple as Discord access to even getting a guest spot on the cast with your own sweet, sweet brew. Plus, you get additional entries into the monthly giveaways. You get entered into deck therapy, depending on the tier. I mean, there's just so many. And I, I said this to the Commander Smith's Lowry's face. I believe our patron community gets the most rewards out of anyone. Boom! Take Boom. it. And of course, our referral program. If you're already a Patreon and you have a friend that you want to get into the community, regardless of tier, tell them when they sign up on Patreon. Shoot us a message. Let us know who referred you. And we'll send you some free swag. And of course, we do have our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. Uh, please, redacted bit, done. But we nice. do have playmat sleeves, our tokens, coins, everything on there. And of course, Redacted Bit, music in episode, and our awesome video editor at underscore Teacoats on Twitter. Uh, the guy is phenomenal. He has been helping us out in other Magic channels as well. Please hit him up if you have video projects. And better yet, leave comments on YouTube. Let us know how we can improve what we're putting out. So Big Tuck, it's been a hot minute. Average Green is Jim. Did you figure out why I called it Average Brina's Gym? No. Uh, so the whole idea behind it, because I didn't want to give it away too much before we get into the dialogue, is that really, this isn't a politics deck, and Silver Quill is not a debate school. It's a straight-up fight club. <laughs> All we're trying to do is I'm trying to get everyone to fight, and so Brina is the head of the gym, and she's encouraging all of her I students, see. a.k.a. your opponents, to hit each other, and... If you pick on the ones with the higher life total, the stronger ones, and succeed, you get rewarded with a card or with knowledge. It's, uh, it's, a, little, it's a little sweaty, but I'll take it. Uh, no, these deck, I, I, all these decks are great. Um, I, think it's, I think this, like I said, I think this is a really, really fun take on Orzov. It kind of gives it the best of all worlds for it. Um, I think that the I think that this deck in particular has a lot of different ways it can be built, right? 
um, a lot of different strategies that you want. You know, the commander is very strong, obviously, as we've all seen. Um, but, you know, it, you can build it to be more fun, to be more like group hug if you wanted to. So I like your take on it. It's very you, uh, very direct and not not dancing, not playing the, the, the Wall Street and Washington game. So yeah, no, it's fun. It's good to see that you left some fun cards in here and, and made it room for some new, you know, new adjustments. The biggest thing I find funny about this, Tuck, is Orzov was one of the last colors for me to build mm -hmm. on my path to 32. And I think I did that a year ago. And now here we are within a year, I've now made another you Orzov wish you would, deck. you wish you just would have waited? Oh, hell no. I love my Selenia the Dark Angel deck. That deck's hilarious. But I just think it's hilarious that I it took me forever to build. Actually, it happened with both. Is it and Orzov were two that I was not excited to build, couldn't figure out how to do it. I finally did it with Brutoclad and Selenia. Oh, sure. And now, literally 12 months later, here I am with my second Is it and Orzov decks. So, way to go, Wizards. Uh, you suckered me in. <laughs> and now I'm going to go crying to a pillow. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>